Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. In this edition of Radio Curious, we lend a listen to the cello, the kind of musical instrument it is and the sounds it makes. My guest is Jed Barahal, a concert cellist extraordinaire who lives in Porto, Portugal. He performed with pianist Cristina Margato, his wife, and oboe professor Amari Barish, who lives in Seattle, Washington, in Ukiah, California, in August of 2004. Jed Barahal visited the studios of Radio Curious, and I asked him to tell us about the cello. Well, what's neat about the cello is that you can hug it. It sort of fits into your body, you know, because you have to hold it between your legs, almost hold it between your arms. It rests against your chest. I guess maybe of the string instruments, it's probably the most natural feeling instrument. You know, violinists, they have to turn their arm around in extremely awkward position. Bassists have the problem of the instrument being gigantic. Six feet or it's more. It's too big, you know. They, I think bassists have posture problems generally because of that. The octave ranges of a cello, where are they? You know, from this a very low, relatively low C, which is a C string, so we get this low note here. And we can go up pretty high for a low instrument. We can get up, well, generally we don't go much farther than this here. But we can, in certain circumstances, go even higher than that. So it's got a big range, which makes it a great solo instrument, but uh, also a great chamber music instrument. Can you play some of the range between the low C and, and the high note you just played? Yeah, well, a mid-range would be around the first and the second string, which are the A and the D strings. So you get um, a mid-range, which is something. That's the best range of the instrument because it projects a lot. The cello, in many ways, has such a large range and has, has such a large number of possibilities in terms of di- making different kinds of sounds that you get these wonderful effects. Can you demonstrate what some of those different kinds of sounds are for us? I suppose a lot of people who listen to the cello don't know how we get these different sounds, right? So I can give you a few examples of that. Most people probably have heard of vibrato. It's an effect that we make by shaking, in effect, the finger in a certain way, which creates a, a small variation in the in the pitch of the note, but gives it a special effect. So if you have a note without vibrato, for example, you have a note which is constantly or almost constantly on the same pitch, right? But if you start using a little vibrato, you start to get different kinds of sounds. So I'll start with a little vibrato, and then I'll add a little more. I'll increase the range of the vibrato, the width of the vibrato, and also the speed. So here we have a very slow vibrato with a very short width. Did you hear the difference? Yeah, and and you're just slightly moving your first finger back and forth. Now I'm going to start moving it more, but not very quickly. It doesn't work quite as well when you don't move it quickly. 
Well, it depends on the situation. In a different context, you might think it's perfectly right and beautiful. So here we have a faster vibrato, but uh, relatively narrow. Sounds a bit more nervous, doesn't it? Now, a relatively fast vibrato, but wide as well. And you're also playing it louder. That's, well, that's probably instinctively. (laughs) I can do the same thing very, very softly. Which, of course, is another effect altogether. No, I don't usually play any of these ways that I've been demonstrating you is just trying to give you an idea of uh, the different um, aspects of vibrato that we have to use in certain doses, you know, to get the, the effect that we, that we want. What are some of the other aspects of the cello? What we were talking about just now is the left hand, the vibrato in the left hand. Of course, there are lots of other aspects of the left hand. The bow has an equal importance as the left hand. And probably most people don't realize this, but the place that you play on the string with the bow makes an incredible difference. So, for example, if I play far away from what we call the bridge, which is the, the piece of wood here that holds up the strings, if I play far away from that, I'm going to generally get a softer sound, right? And I won't be able to play so loud so, for an example, on, on, on the same note that I was playing before, playing far away from the bridge, you get a softer sound like this, right? Now, as I go closer to the bridge, I'm going to have to use a little more pressure, right? And the sound is going to get louder, and it's going to have a different, different quality. And in fact, if we go even closer to the bridge, we get an effect that is often used in, in modern music, which is called ponticello, which is the same name for bridge in Italian. And it sounds, might sound ugly, but in context it can be very, very effective. This is a ponticello sound. Each time the pressure that you're applying to the string with the bow is pretty close, more or less the same? No, it varies. Completely. It varies from when I'm playing close to the one end of the of the of the bow completely from when on the other end. So that I have to in order to produce the same sound at one end of the bow as on the other, I have to constantly vary the, the, the pressure. And of course every string is different too. Each string is has a different um, diameter, you know, thickness. And that makes it different for the bow as well. Can you demonstrate on the different strings and the different pressures so we can get a kind of a range of the sound? Okay. I can play softly on the lowest string, far away from the bridge. I can play with a very fast bow. That's another aspect that that has an effect on on the sound. Or I can play a lot more slowly. You hear the difference? Or I can play closer to the bridge on the C string as well. Very slowly. If I want to use more bow 
in that spot, I'll have to play a lot more loudly, otherwise the, the, the string won't vibrate properly. In the upper registers, you get uh, or those are two contrasting kinds of sounds. What other instruments in the orchestra have the companion sounds or blend well with the cello? Well, a lot of them blend well with the cello. In fact, I had a great experience here in Ukiah. We had a concert. My wife and I, uh, my wife is a pianist. We play often together. Uh, we were invited to do a concert here uh, with the uh, sister of uh, Dr. Ace Barish, uh, who is an oboist, an excellent oboist, young, 26 years old. He's teaching at Washington State University now. And uh, he invited us to give a concert with her. We started thinking about a program, and we wanted to do at least one piece with all three of us, cello, oboe, and piano. And we realized that there's nothing written for that combination. So Amory, the oboist, Amory Barish, she said, well, okay, I'll write, write something, because she's a composer as well. And so we premiered this uh, brand new piece written by her, brand new work, Five Movements, and it was absolutely amazing the the effects that we got from both of our instruments playing together. Sometimes it sounded as if there were two oboes or two cellos playing at the same time. It's just you couldn't often couldn't tell the difference between the two instruments. Let's listen to a portion of five pieces composed by Amari Barish for cello, oboe, and piano, performed by Amari Barish on oboe. Jed Barahal on cello, and Christina Margota on piano at the late summer chamber music concert held August 6th, 2004 in Ukiah, California.
In this edition of Radio Curious, we're talking with Jed Barahal, who lives in Porto, Portugal. He's visiting the studios of Radio Curious and telling us about the cello, an instrument that he's played for 40 years, having studied at the Juilliard School of Music and Yale University, and been the first cellist in Brazil, France, and Portugal in a number of different orchestras. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Jed, what first drew you to the cello? Well, I think it was when they started up a string program in my in the public schools down in um, San Rafael, Terra Linda, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an innovative thing at the time. They had a lot of money for those sort of things. And, um, and my parents asked me if I wanted to to learn a string instrument. My mother played the violin. She was an amateur violinist. And uh, my father studied cello as an amateur as well. And uh, so I chose the cello, I guess because I didn't want to play the same instrument as my mom. Probably could probably compete better with my father. So that's what got me to cello to the cello in the first place. When you play the cello, what does it do for you that other things don't? Well, what does music do for us? It does a lot of things. It can move us. It can soothe us. It can make make us uh, excited. All sorts of things. I suppose it can even make us uh, upset as well. First thing that comes to mind is the Mendelssohn Sonata that we did here in Ukiah. It's hard for me to describe the emotions, you know, that uh, music... Uh, Produces, you know, but uh, I think this the the sonata is probably an example of something that's very joyful, or very very happy. Let's listen to Sonata Number no. Two in D Major, the second movement, by Felix Mendelssohn, as performed by Jed Barahal on cello and Christina Margato on piano. <laughs> Thank you. 
Jed Barahal, tell us about the role of the cello as a solo instrument. Well, the cello came into being somewhere in the 17th century. The first time that the cello really had a big solo role was with a composer who was a cellist, that was Boccherini, and he started using the cello way up in the high registers, something which hadn't been done before. He has lots of things that are terribly difficult, even for modern-day cellists. And then I think during the Romantic period, there were a lot of things written for solo cello. The cello really came into being as a solo instrument in the 20th century, and that was due to probably basically two big artists. first half, Pablo Casals, and then the second half, Mieczysław Rostropovich. Rostropovich, especially in relation to the contemporary music, because he knew a lot of composers, had them write music for him, and he played it in a way that most cellists before didn't play. He had a, a new way of playing, and, and I think we forget that nowadays because he's influenced modern cellists to such an extent that we forget he was responsible for changing the way of playing the cello in the second half of the 20th century. Jed Barahal, thank you very much for being with us here in the studios of Radio Curious. And before we close, I'd like to ask you to tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately. Well, it has absolutely nothing to do with music. It is written by a university professor who lives in Santa Rosa. And the book is called The Party's Over, Oil, War, and the Fate of Industrial Societies, and is written by Richard Heinberg. I wouldn't say that it's a book I enjoyed reading. I was fascinated by it because it paints a pretty shocking and bleak picture of the future of industrial societies, which are ours, when oil runs out. Well, Jed Barahal, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Curious. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Barry. Jed Barahal is a concert cellist who lives in Porto, Portugal. The book he recommends is The Party's Over, Oil, War, and the Future of Industrial Societies by Richard Heinberg. Copies of this and other editions of Radio Curious are available. There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org. And I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.